Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrive After Divorce, where we're going to give you the tips, the tools, the tricks, and everything you need to not just survive, but to thrive during and after divorce. And today I have Elizabeth, and we've just been having such a fun conversation already. And Elizabeth, we're going to talk about health and your work environment and the intersection of work and home and I am so excited to welcome you to the show and just let you introduce yourself. And, and I just have to warn you, this topic's going to be really fun. This is, <laughs> we haven't done a show like this. So this is going to be super informative and I'm going to let Liz just introduce herself. Okay. Hi, it's me. Um, I've just been having so much fun talking about this as well. And um, I think that you know, when we hear like health at work, it doesn't really sound like fun and sexy, but the thing is that it is such a huge part of our lives and it can be a big source of support if we have the tools to understand like where we fit in and where our power comes from. Um, so one of the big things I was just talking about is uh, what makes up health in the workplace. So it's about the organizational culture. It's about the actual physical safety in the workplace, but one of the biggest pieces is personal health resources. So it's not just about the environment, it's about what the person in the environment brings to it. And I was just talking about the biopsychosocial approach to this, which looks at how one person can thrive in the same environment where another person is really struggling. So it's not just about the environment that you're in, it's about your physiology, bio, psycho, it's about the mental, it's about the social, it's also about the people around you, the group, the dynamics of when you go home, what kind of partner do you have or what kind of social supports do you have in your network and those things all impact how you're able to thrive in the environment that you're finding yourself in yeah and so just to connect that for the viewers listening we all know you are at home you're at work most of the time and if you're not happy at one it's going to affect the other yes and and divorce is hard enough. And then if you're not feeling safe at work or about, or if work was going really well, but now because of your divorce, your work's being impacted, they really do intersect. And you have so much, um, or so <laughs> many great thoughts on how it all really ties in. Yes, I have so much to say about this. Um, so one of the things I do think is really important is to recognize that in terms of disability or facing some sort of trauma or something difficult in our lives, that um, the difference between going down a path of disability and going down a path of thriving can be as simple as what kind of supports do we have at home? Can I ask you there, just for anyone, if their mind's going to disability to the physical part? So um, I'll talk a little bit about myself and I guess that um, I am a practical nurse and I was injured at work, um, PTSD, so uh, mental disability is what I'm speaking to. But in the, the field of disability management, it, there is no discrimination. It looks at a disability as simply something that is um, keeping you from being able to perform you know, at the level that you were before. Um, so even something that we talk a lot about is not necessarily looking towards a diagnosis, but like looking at functional interventions to help you thrive. And so that's kind of something that 
um, I've spoken a little bit to in terms of looking at the personal health resources. One of the major ones that I love to talk about is emotional resilience, because this actually yes. gives us a huge buffer when it comes to facing difficult situations in the workplace, as well as at home. And I think that you would be able to speak to this as well, that when we're going through a divorce, um, you know, the difficult times at home don't stop. It's now everyone, you know, I mean, for myself, I had my parents like challenging my decisions, you know? And so I think that in a way we like might diffuse the stress that's coming from one relationship, but in a way it kind of caused like kicks up dust in the rest of our lives as well. So having that emotional resilience piece actually gives us kind of that fortitude that we need to face you know, those, those are really big changes that we go through in all of our life, like in terms of social relationships uh, and beyond. Um, but when we're going through a divorce in that sense, it's not like, oh, we just fix things at home. It's now we're having to deal with things in a different context and, and also dealing with ourselves. So uh, oftentimes there can be now a lot more quiet time to actually be coming up against, you know, our internal dialogue or patterns that we're still holding on to that might have been part of the dysfunctional relationship as well. Yeah. And do you find that employers, I mean, there's probably only so much, how much leniency do they give someone who's gone through a trauma or disability? Like your employer might, oh, you're going through a divorce for a little bit, or you had a car accident, but after a certain time, I would think they're going to be like, get back to, I need this. Yeah. Well, um, this is a really good point. And I think it really depends on like what type of organization you work for. And part of, um, like why I'm so passionate about this is because I feel that there's not as much in smaller workplaces, like small business owners necessarily don't have the information they need to be as supportive as for instance, larger organizations are really, really into this like disability management, employee health and wellness, whatever you want to call it. But really what it's looking at is integrating health systems that support employees. And the reason why employers are really interested in this is because the research shows that for every $1 invested, three is saved. So this is actually about cost management, it increases productivity of the workers, you know, it attracting and retaining skilled employees, like the yeah. list just goes on of why this is beneficial to employers. Um, however, there is also often a disconnect of, um, you know, managers and frontline supervisors are the people who really put it into action. And oftentimes they're not necessarily trained as well as they need to be to provide the support. So this is kind of something that I had already brought up to you about um, when we're facing these difficulties in the workplace that sometimes like advocating or influencing the workplace culture with our own personal behavior, our attitudes, the way we speak to those around us actually can support others who will be facing the same situation as us. So, um, you know, in this power, like the power pose that I'm kind of talking about where you come in with this sense of understanding and knowledge of what you can do. It not only serves your own self, like your family, yourself, but it serves the other people who you're working around because you're helping to shift the environment in a way that's favorable to be supporting the, those other people that you work with. Well, you said a power pose. I know like physical power pose like this, or if you're sitting somewhere you know, like this rather than like this, but do you mean an emotional power? I'm talking about the emotional power. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm, I didn't know. 
I knew when you say power pose, I was thinking of the physical, you know, like hands on your hips, like <laughs> Superman will empower you or um, hand back. Or, but I didn't know the emotional power pose. Yeah. So um, it's just like, think of that same image, but looking at it like on the internal screen of, you know, what would like the emotional power pose be to be kind of in this place of um, observation, like looking at what's around you and also understanding the power of, you know, your knowledge and the ability to put this into practice. What would be one good little example you could give someone just to try? Like, I'm going to see if that even if it's just saying good morning first, seeing a fact. Yeah, um, so like what I would kind of like challenge and like for as a good start for the emotional power pose would be like looking at your language of how you talk about yourself on the inside, but also on the outside. And, you know, something that I think a lot of people do, um, they kind of will speak about themselves negatively, like in a it's like insidious. It doesn't necessarily seem like, oh, it's self-deprecating. But I think that when we get, you know, I've talked so much about awareness and I really think that is like the power pose is the self-awareness piece of when you start to look at how are you speaking about yourself and especially how are you speaking to others who might be asking you questions about your divorce or things like changing. It's like, listen to yourself talk of like, what does it sound like? And so one of those big pieces of like, um, actually shifting an organizational culture is around like non-judgmental language. So when you start to speak in this different way, which um, it's really about like person-centered. So, you know, saying that someone who is facing a certain disability or challenge, you know, someone who's going through divorce rather than saying I'm a divorcee. Yeah. It doesn't define who you are. You're a person who's going through that experience. So when we take that kind of perspective of doing the person-centered approach. And when we take that into our language, it has such an impact that you might not actually realize, but that's like one of the things that we see with supervisors that actually can make the biggest difference for their team is if they simply look at their language and have a non-judgmental approach in their language because it gives people this feeling of safety and trust that they could actually tell you something vulnerable. For sure. Words and it makes them have, yes. like, what am I, what's that saying? Like, your words are your wand. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard that, but words, yeah. Yeah. We're both, we've been sharing little one-liners <laughs> with each other, that, but your words are your wand. They have that much power. Yes. Like your words are going to have an effect and, and just by changing one word. Yes. It can change the whole, everything you've just said. Yes. Now we also, um, we were discussing the effects of COVID because for a lot of people, going through divorce or new, nearly newly divorced, work was maybe a safe place. When I went through mine, I never once dreaded pulling in the parking lot for six years because mm. it was my getaway. It was my friends. It was my happy place to, you know, escape. And I enjoyed it. But if you've lost that due to COVID, yes, That's how do you see people mentally handling work and isolated? Yes. So um, obviously we're all impacted by COVID. And what we've seen is that a huge amount of workers have gone from working in like an occupational health and safety approved workplace 
to now being at the kitchen table, essentially. And especially like, um, okay, so say you're still in the, the house with your partner who you're divorcing from, or you're in a like fresh new apartment or something. Either of those places are not really what you've described as a safe place where you're now getting to go away. You know, you're kind of like having the physical workplace kind of serves two parts in that. It's that it's a place where you can put aside the home stuff and mm -hmm. deal with something that gives you this feeling of purpose. And then it is also a place where you can leave the work stuff behind and then come back fresh to home. And so now moving to the virtual workplace, that doesn't exist. And one of the things that is so important about the physical workplace is that those social relationships help us to diffuse the stress that we face, whether from the increased you know, demands of technology at work, just to regular day-to-day -day stuff, and even expressing or diffusing stress from our home life. So now that we've lost this level of connection in the workplace, there is one less outlet for diffusing those stresses that everybody faces. Yeah. So, um, I was, uh, looking at, cause yes, relationships at work are a great, um, way to relieve stress. And I don't know if we're always aware of that until it's gone. Yes. You know, you just say, you go in, you, what you've been doing it for years and you might not realize that little interaction, whatever it was meant a lot yeah well we're so like we're social beings and like that is um, why I bring up like the biopsychosocial framework because it's so important to recognize that these pieces of connection to those around us is what can take us you know from this state of actually you know coping and managing our stresses to really struggling and um, one piece that I haven't brought up to you yet is about you know acute stress versus chronic stress and this is something that I really wanted to bring forward with the divorce piece because um, there's some really interesting studies that have been done on this yeah, is that the would that be like PTSD opposed to complex PTSD? Um, well, basically, like what I was gonna where I was gonna take it is like so acute stress is like what we would see like in a divorce, for instance. Um, so it's like suddenly things are more stressful. Like even if it's been okay. a chronic kind of stress that your relationship hasn't been good, now it's suddenly you're being faced with you have to now deal with something. It, it's more intense. So um, the way that our bodies are designed is that acute stress is actually a good thing because it, our body essentially releases hormones that help us to face a challenge. Um, so this is like something that I would challenge people to do. This is the, another emotional power pose. It's like when you're being faced with something that is so incredibly emotionally difficult that you feel like you're going to crumble, your body is actually sending you the stress hormones that you need to rise. So using that challenge as a stepping stool to move to that next higher place. Whereas when we look at chronic stress, that's the thing that is so detrimental to our health. Um, acute stress can become chronic stress if it's not coped with well, but we can actually start to approach our stress in certain ways that helps us to increase our threshold of what we can comfortably cope with. Yeah, because I don't know if people realize our bodies do produce the cortisol to everything, and if that just gets used to being produced over and over and over, your body craves it. 
Yes. And so it becomes kind of like this habitual tendency. So then like kind of, yes, my challenge of the emotional power pose in that instance is to use up those stress hormones for their intended purpose and then also learn ways to actively cope with stress. And so um, a really interesting, like I don't know if you've heard of the Huberman Lab podcast, but they are really interesting because they use research and then they apply it to how do we actually use this in real life? So one of the things that they talked about that I absolutely love is um, when you go for a walk and you look at the horizon, this actually is a really big piece of brain health because we're meant to be focusing 20 feet away, not on like little screens all day. So this actually relates to instead of just being narrowly focused on a small little bit of your life, you can see the bigger picture, the big horizon. And that is actually what it translates to in your brain. So I don't know if you've heard of EMDR. I'm oh, yeah, I've done it. too. Um, I mean, yes. I've, I've studied it and I've I've done it amazes me. It's amazing. Yeah. So for anybody with PTSD or anyone who's done EMDR, I'm sure you could say it's amazing. So um, something that really dawned on me and then I was finding all this research to back it up is that walking in nature is the natural EMDR because you're doing the one foot, you know, it's using the different sides of your brain. And then it's the, it's the nature reprocessing of you're looking at the, you know, nature around you and using that broadened horizon actually helps you see the bigger picture. I've never thought of that because even I've done my EMDR sitting down, but she puts these, she calls them like little buzzies yeah. in my hands. Yes. And they, she can control the frequency. Yes. Um, and then I redo the memory at a different frequency, but I never realized, I didn't think of like your footwork. Yes. So once I started going down this path, then I actually found out that the way that EMDR was invented was somebody going for a walk. She realized this is <laughs> EMDR. Tons of money. <laughs> and then that's where they took it. Yeah, but it's like, so, you know, I mean, obviously it's more lucrative for somebody to be like buzzing you in the office rather than well, taking a free walk. Yeah, then, um, and I mean, they're educated and they're walking you through things, but. Yeah. No, there's definitely value in it, but I'm just saying that. No, I mean, all right, because I'm thinking right now, nowhere else. I'm trying to think when I can really just look at horizons, because you can't when you're driving, you yeah. can't when you're looking at a screen, you're not when you're looking at a book, you're not yeah. when you're doing the dishes. Yes. But walking is a safe, like you really can just automatically walk and yes. And stand. So that is like the piece of like tapping into that physiologic response of like, this is how our bodies evolved because we didn't evolve looking at a screen you know, like this. No. We're meant to be looking like 2020 vision because they test from 20 feet away because that's where your brain, your body was designed to see things is 20 feet away, like walking. And when you think of when our bodies were developed or for what they were scanning, I mean, they were hunting, yes. they were yes. growing, they were looking at the clouds to see the rain for the crops, whatever it is, it was a constant scan. Yeah. So if you were like tapped in like this all the time, do you think your body's feeling like I'm safe? I've scanned the environment, you oh. know? So it's like tapping into those actual physiologic processes um, and wow. so it's like, but that is just one piece of the picture. So that's like kind of what I'm trying to, um, you know, share here is that it's not just about the body. It's not just about the mind. It's not just about the environment. You know, it's looking at the integrated whole. And I feel like that is a piece that is so missing when I look at everybody who's <laughs> pushing health stuff. It's like, where's the big picture? What, you know, how does it integrate? And so that is 
I'm like so passionate about the integrated health management systems because it's looking at a system that brings together all the pieces of the puzzle for the big picture to be there. I know I'm still stunned on the walk because <laughs> for everyone uh, like I've always, you know, I know like it releases stress to go on a walk and I know it, it, um, motion releases emotion or all that, but I've never like to think, to tell people intentionally scan. Like a yeah. lot of people might, might put in earphones or they look down. Yeah. They look down and, and I'm really glad you brought that up because um, that's like another piece that I'll bring in that I used to be the person who would walk with listening to music mm -hmm. and, um, you know, through some of my like mental health, neuro or cognitive psychology classes, I and also working with some really enlightened therapists, I've had this brought to my attention that we actually need those sounds. So when we're out like walking the nature sounds, the sounds of life are part of therapy. And so, you know, it's like the visual part of the walk is like eye therapy, but it's like hearing the nature sounds is the auditory therapy. And so part of like what was brought into my awareness by this therapist is seeing that if our trauma is mostly related to hearing things that have really, you know, like an, created a bad internal dialogue for us, for instance, the mm -hmm. way to heal those traumas is through listening to nature sounds, like the wind in the trees, you know, like lapping waves, whatever it is. But there is something attached to the places that are traumatized. So it's like looking at the tissues. You know, if you, so for instance, if you saw something traumatic, that will be especially beneficial to be looking at the nature scapes, like what, during the walk or whatever. But it's looking to these actual places in the body that are holding onto those trauma and the tension. And so when we actually bring into it, you know, the sound, and it's like, can also be, what about the sounds of like washing dishes, the water swishing in the sink? And so certain things like that, these are actually like the pieces of our life that, you know, we've been kind of conditioned to think are so mundane, but these are actually like the, um, it's kind of like the rhythms of daily life that actually help us to heal because it's like, you know, it's not just one big trauma. It's like micro traumas. It's, you know, difficult things that happen throughout the day. So, um, this is a way for us to start processing and looking at it in the bigger picture of not just, you know, buzzy things in your hand. It's yeah. obviously that's one piece of the puzzle, but there's no, all but these other pieces because we're one, you know, we're one whole being. Yeah. Not just one, you know, it's not just the brain that was impacted by the train. Right. And we'll, we'll create different neural pathways and reprogram. And I'm thinking even, you know, if people are get stressed and it used to drive me crazy when people would say journal, I'd be like, I don't want a journal. Yeah. You know, when you're in a really bad place, Yes. But I will tell people do dishes. Yes. Because just doing dishes, that motion, the distraction, listening to the water, it's mind work. Yes. But it's, and now I'm even thinking like the walk and being, being um, conscious to say, I'm not listening to anything in my ears and I'm not looking down or even for people that think I work out in the gym, like that takes care of your the physical body are good for your heart, but still include that walk in nature yes. or outside. Yeah. yeah. For the emotion. Yes. Yeah. Does and like just like when you talk about like the journaling, I would say like for some people, the journaling might be really helpful, but for other oh, people, yeah. 
like doing like uh recording like a, an audio clip or something but just in the term in terms of that everyone is going to be different in what they need it's like part yeah. of that biopsychosocial approach it's like what do you need and so that is kind of what I want to push here is that being healthy when it comes to taking your health like between home and the workplace and you know kind of integrating all of these pieces we're talking about it's about having that self-awareness and getting to know yourself and so it's not just saying oh journaling is a good safe place for me it's about recognizing is journaling helping right now yes. it would it be more helpful for me to go on a walk or would it be better for me to do dishes and so it's like about bringing this piece of awareness of not only knowing yourself but getting to know yourself again and again. And so like being willing to take yourself on in those moments. And, um, you know, we're all faced with these kind of emotional um, hurdles, certain things that come up that are like a trigger. And it's so easy to, um, you know, reach for like a coffee or some sugar or, you know, whatever, yeah, you know, not, lash out not. when you get triggered by somebody. There's so many outlets for not taking responsibility for our own feelings. And like, I feel that it's never more relevant than when you're making the hugest change of going through divorce. And it's like really reconfiguring your entire life. You want to start with a solid foundation and it comes back down to you, like between you and you, who are you when no one else is around? Who are you when your back is against the wall? Who are you when things are harder than they've ever been? And you have no one else to turn to. That's where the true you comes out many times. <laughs> no, I mean, if you want to see who someone really is, it's like yeah. give them power or, or when you're down and out, yeah. Oh, you turn. And I agree with everything you just said. That's the reason for the show is just to bring in, not what I think, not what I need, but to say, I've had many speakers where I'm like, I don't know, but then you make it into what you need. Yes. Exactly. Because it's all the same, you know, principle. Like, I love this. I have to say to everyone listening, this should be for everyone. Emotional resilience. Yes. Whatever spin you want to put on it is for everyone. And once you learn it, it's going to trickle into work. It's going to trickle into home. Yes. And it's going to trickle into when you really need it. Like when it's you and you. Mm -hmm. Like when things are harder than ever. And that's when the emotional resilience piece really comes up. And something that I don't, I don't think I've said since we've been recording, but um, there is some really good uh, research information that shows that people who have strengthened emotional resilience skills are less impacted by bullying and negative workplace environments. Um, so it's kind of like brand new. Um, but I think it's so cool to see, like we actually have research supporting this because I do think that creating this level of emotional resilience for yourself, emotional intelligence is a way that you can essentially create a buffer for yourself, protect yourself, knowing that the world is chaotic. I can't control every environment I go into. I'm going to come up against people who whatever rub me the wrong way, challenge me, etc. And even just in day-to-day -day life, we face challenges. That's life. Are we going to level up? And so that is like all about the emotional intelligence and resilience piece is knowing yourself well enough having this confidence in yourself to say, I can make it through this. And especially when it comes to, you know, negative, like workplace bullying type of stuff, it just actually helps you to be less impacted because, oh, you know, <laughs> it helps you physically. Yeah. I, this really, really, I don't even know the word, but I knew 
that whenever I'm not in touch as very often with my ex husband, but we do have to parallel parent. But I knew if I got a text, my heart rate would go up like yes. instantly. Yes. And one day I had a doctor's appointment scheduled and I had been going, um, just for this medication I was on, but I know that my, um, blood pressure is normally 117 over, I don't know the bottom number, but, but, um, that day I got a text at noon that just said, check something at four o'clock, my blood pressure, the top number was still 150. Yeah. Like to physically see it and think this is how I felt every day. This is how I felt all the time. Yeah. And to see the change in those numbers and realize that's going to take a toll on your physical health. Yeah. Walking around with blood pressure way up too high is not good. It's not good. And I think that we kind of touched on this a little bit, but it, it, it starts to become like habitual Mm -hmm. when we get tied into these, you know, and it's like, you know, why did you feel that like kind of sense of panic basically you're going to like fight or flight mode. And the reason is because of the conditioning that has come, you know, with your experiences in the past. So it then becomes about like, once we change the physical environment, we need to also change the internal environment and it, and kind of how I was talking about like um, increasing your tolerance for the acute stress that mm-hmm. comes through doing these types of things, like going out and doing the like horizon viewing walks and stuff, but it just gives our body. And another thing that I had written down, that is another free one. That's really good is um, contrast therapy in the shower. What is that? that? So you basically go like as cold as you can go. I don't do this. (laughs) And you switch back and forth and it sounds like not fun. Um, But the whole kind of the whole concept of these things is it increases your body's um, comfortability being in uncomfortable environments. So that's kind of like the whole premise of training, like emotional intelligence and resilience is saying like, it's like keeping calm when things around you become really uncomfortable. And like, that can also be internally, (laughs) that things become really uncomfortable, but it's like starts to um, create kind of like this larger spectrum of like the threshold. So it takes us longer to go over the top, basically. I'm going to try it. I'm like, like, (laughs) it's like really uncomfortable during, but then afterwards you feel like exhilarated. Well, so many people spend a lot of money to like do that lunge or, or have those cold pools in yeah, the backyard yeah. where they you jump just in, the in the shower. Like, yeah, yeah like just shock their, I'm like, there's something to it. Tony Robbins does it every morning. I mean, yeah, no, it's like really good. It's like good for you. But I just like love to see it in that way of like, how do we make this free? Or like, how do we make this like yeah. possible of like, you know, not everybody is Tony Robbins and has like no. the ability to be like out in the plunge pool every morning. It's like, but you know what? Most people are like taking a shower a few times a week. So like, if we could just incorporate it into that, And you know what else I love when we do things like this? We take excuses away from people Mm. and turn it into like, now this is your choice. It's a piece of empowerment. Say, like, do this. Instead of saying, why can't afford EMDR or where am I going to find a a pool? Yeah, Yeah. but now that you've empowered them to see a walk can be used as EMDR. Yes. A shower can be used just to retrain that brain. Um, changing your own language to non-judgmental. Like these are like all free interventions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are all um, things that now 
once you have the knowledge and you choose not to use the knowledge or even try it. Like I said, yeah. And what I'll I'll try it. I'm going to try the shower thing. I don't know if I'm going to like it, but what if I do? Yes. And so that's kind of where I was going to go with it is that once you have these tools in your toolbox, even if they're not working for you right now, maybe five years from now, it's going to be the thing. And so that is like just where I want to be bringing this forward to say that like, if you have this understanding and this knowledge, even if it's not for you right now, maybe it will be later. Or maybe it will be helpful to somebody else, you know, that you are going to impact. So I think that when we look at like these more accessible ways that we really have so much power, but we've been kind of like conditioned or taught to think of like, you know, other people are the experts. But like what I really want to challenge is that you are the expert, like you are the expert on your own self. No one else knows you as well as you know yourself. And further, you can use this as an invitation to get to know yourself even better, which puts you in that emotional power pose that you can actually take what you're getting and make the most of it. That um, we were talking before we were recording about service, turning your story into service or being of service. And you might not feel that way. I didn't feel that way in the beginning, but I was always looking for something of gratitude or something I could be thankful for. And you said to me before we recorded, what you're going through isn't actually for you. It's for someone else. Yeah. And that might be hard at first, but it could be something to grasp to. Yes. I think someday your journey is going to be somebody else's survival guide. Yes. And now when I go through hard things, cause I'm much further out, but I just start to like take a deep breath and go, okay, so one more person I'm going to be able to help. Yeah. One more person. I'm going to be able to look at them and say, I understand. Yeah. Matt, I can't imagine. Yeah. And I think that even just, I love that where you took it because I think that even people who have really similar experiences to us could sometimes be in the place where they should be saying, I can't imagine, because Mm -hmm. it also comes down to like, ask yourself, who am I going to be in this moment? Because people do go through monumental life-changing things without actually being able to be emotionally there with it. You know, it can be really easy to numb it out, not take accountability for our own self, you know, not own our stuff. And like in bypassing those experiences, it would be really cheap to say to somebody, I know what you're going through. Yeah. Because you don't. And it's going to come up. I love Debbie Ford, a therapist that has passed. I don't know if you've heard her work, but she says emotions are like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. They are going to pop up. Yes. (laughs) And I just thought it's so true. You can try, you can deny it, you can numb it, you can do everything, but the beach ball is going to pop up. Yeah. And you're going to be better off to have tools in your back pocket or slowly chip away at the trauma. Yeah. And I think that, like, um, I love that you just brought up this analogy because I think that, um, you know, for a lot of people, what we see is that they actually don't know how to cope with like the beach ball when it's popping back up. So it actually comes up in other ways, which is like expressed through ill health or, you know, sort of um, maladaptive coping behaviors of like how we're interacting with other people in our life, even like even our kids, we can become like really short or like low on patience because we're not dealing with our own stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it could be like a really 
hard hitting realization. <laughs> so I was, I love your biopsychosocial, but I'm wondering what would be three words that you could interchange that with for people just to comfortably like think of everyday words? Yeah. So it would be like, um, for bio, it'd be like body psycho is like, uh, mind. Yeah. And then the social aspect is like, um, environment. What's that? Support network. Support network. So it's like, you know, the people around you who are kind of lifting you up, who's your net. And it's, it can be the people at work. It can be your friends. And uh, sometimes it's your cat. Yeah. No, it's, no. <laughs> it can be, but I love, you know, people are like bio, so cool. So they can't, but if you just remember body, mind and your support network. Yeah. Look at all those things. That is the lens that you kind of need to look through to understand what's going on with you personally. To look at, you know, it's not just about the environment I'm in. It's not just the people I'm around. It's not just my mind. It's not just my body. It's all of those things wrapped up together. I'm a, I'm a human. Um, you know, the it, part of being a person is the emotional aspect. So really we are driven by our emotions. And so the more that we can understand and start to um, be aware of that, it empowers us in our decision-making to realize that we're never going to be making a decision from a place where there's no emotion. There's always going to be a piece of emotion. So that is like where the emotional resilience and intelligence really comes in because um, although it is like, there's this bigger picture of how these other things tie into it. I would say like the emotions are like the crux. And I think that we don't talk enough about how emotional intelligence actually is like the linchpin for everything that happens in our lives. Yes. It's but how we can, interface. It's a muscle that you can build. Yes. And, but so many of us are, have not been taught and we don't know how. And I think that this, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, or they excuse it by just saying, I'm not patient. Yeah, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at no. that. And then that just gives you the out to say, I have no patience, or I'm not a patient person, or I'm, this is my ethnicity that we are passionate. Yes. Your excuse is to say, it's an excuse. It. It's a, it's a simply a different way to say that I'm not ready to take accountability for that. And I think that when it comes to, you know, people in this situation of facing a divorce, when you're freshly going through it, when you're, you know, just coming out of it, it's like um, you, the power place comes from being able to take accountability for ourselves. There is never a better time to start taking accountability for yourself. And it's like when everything else around you is changing, you're the foundation. Yeah. You are the asset. You are the place where everything is going to be built on. So you better make sure that it's aligned with you and that you're willing to own those pieces that you say, I want this to be different, yeah. you know, and it's and not just gonna... about for your own self. It is like, um, I know some of us will have kids and some not, but, you know, being that role model, not only, you know, for perhaps like yourself and your child, but looking to the bigger picture of, you know what, I I found like after I split from my partner is that um, so many of my friends started opening up to me about their marriage difficulties. Yeah, and so I think that, that 
I kind of spoke to this in terms of like, you know, this is, can influence the environment at work, but this can also influence the environment of like your social network, your support system, because people will suddenly be looking to you. Even my mom, it's like, you know, she had these issues in her marriage and she for so long was thinking about leaving. And so it's like, once you start in integrity, going through these changes, even though it's like the hardest thing. It actually is setting an example for other people in your life. And not only um, to say like, oh, I'm ready to leave my spouse, but just to start opening up about vulnerable feelings because of the way that they're seeing you own your own, your own stuff and the way that you talk about it, the way you present yourself. It is a big picture, but it has such a ripple that, you know, we don't always see. No. And I have one last question because I'm thinking, like, I love all this, and it all sounds perfect, and this, to me, it is the key. Everything in your life intersects at you, even how yes. you act in the grocery store, how you're yes. at home, and work. It's all your co-workers. Your, but as you get strong, as you do your emotional power pose, and you're doing the work on yourself, all in a, I'm saying, in a loving, kind way, not a... Yeah. But... but you might see those ripple effects being some people move away from you. Yes. Because it's an effect of if you're looking at your stuff and they're not ready to look at theirs. It feels like a slap in the face. Yeah. So I yeah, think it really think feel like a, slap a warning. In not well, warning, but that, uh, I'm like glad you brought this up. I totally wasn't thinking about that, but um, you're quite right. And this is something that I've experienced myself. And I think that, um, when we come more strongly into alignment with ourselves, you know, with our purpose, with what matters to us, our values, naturally there are going to be people who fall out of our lives. And it doesn't mean they won't come back. It doesn't mean that they don't love you. But when we start to make these hard decisions, and sometimes the hard decision is just owning your own stuff, yeah, willing to be accountable. It can really put up a mirror for other people who aren't able to go to the place that you've gone to. No. And um, like, it's frankly, it's heartbreaking, like, especially when you're navigating divorce, like the last thing you need is people dropping out of your social circle. But what I would challenge is that those people are not actually the ones that are going to help you like move to that next chapter. They cannot go with you to the higher level that you are heading towards. So it is, it's natural and it is beneficial in a way, even though it's painful. It's like the same thing as a divorce. It's going to be painful. But the reason behind it is it justifies, you know, the, the purpose of life is not to avoid pain. You know, the pain in our lives helps guide us to what is really meaningful, what our purpose is. So, um, you know, I'm really glad that you spoke to that because there are so many painful pieces in this process. And I think that like bringing the self-awareness to it is the key. These people are not dropping out of your life because you're suddenly not a good person. Wow. You know, it, it's there's something that's triggering or there's something there that is too difficult or painful for them to see, which I mean, when you start to actually take ownership for yourself, be accountable, these are things that are not really popular or sexy, like in our society. Um, you know, I think uh, I could just go on about that forever, but, um, but it's just a, for people to, I just don't want them to be shocked. If you're changing yeah. your alignment, it, if you no longer want to sit and gossip at work or maybe be in a circle that was, yes, you might be alone for a while. But 
the universe will bring in yes. the people you're aligned with. Exactly. You're going to the exact place I wanted to go with this because it's, it's true. And I think that, um, like going through the process of transition, there's always going to be like this sense of holding this empty space where you're saying that, okay, these things now no longer aligned with me. What would be aligned with me? And so getting really clear on yourself does create this space in your life where now people can come in who are aligned with you. And it also gives you this, and we were always talking about the power here, but it gives you this power of discernment to actually know what are the type of people that I would like to let into my life. Yeah. And so you have this, it's almost like a higher vantage point. <laughs> Once you move, you're like kind of elevating to this level where you're able to see things more clearly. And it, because you're seeing yourself more clearly. And one of the pieces that you spoke about that I would really like to hammer home is about all of this stuff it has to be with love. Like it has to be with like a kind heart that you're approaching yourself. And the more that you can give yourself that grace, the more that you can be kind and gentle with yourself where you're going through these difficult transitions, the more you're going to have patience for the other people in your life, like comes to kids, comes to your boss, whoever. When you have this more gentle, calm approach with yourself, it ripples out to the way that you see the world. And it truly makes things easier. Like it really makes things easier when you're willing to be like a little bit more gentle because we're all human. We're all human. And when you can start with that, ask, like start with that point of view, looking at yourself, it carries through. Well, I think you have given amazing, amazing um, information and ideas and tips to take your emotional resilience and have the choices to make and change because it's going to affect work and marriage overlap. And even if you didn't have a job and now you're getting divorced and you have to go find a job, like yeah. it's going to be stressful. So I have to tell you, I've been holding back a little smirk and laugh this last half because that cold shower thing, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I said, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. I might start doing it all the time, but I thought, what if <laughs> when my daughter, who was 15, was taking a shower, I just put my hand in and like turned it to cold. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just have to see how this works. <laughs> she might like it. How do you feel now? <laughs> Kids like have more tolerance for this sort of stuff. You know? Can you imagine someone just being like, I just have to do one little experiment. I just need to do a little research. For I research. Excuse me for one minute, ice cold. I mean, I would love to hear the feedback on how that goes. Yeah. No, but now you have me. I really want to try that because it, it does, it's shocking your system too. And it's simple. Like it's yeah. just simple physiologic. And that's like what I love about kind of this, like the biopsychosocial approach is like, make it simple. Yeah. Even though it sounds kind of complicated, it's like, keep it simple, but look at the bigger picture. It is. And I love, you know, this would be a whole different topic, but when I think of way back what man had to work with, you know, men, women, it was just the four elements. It was simple. just the four directions. Yeah. It was simple. And I still believe in the oracles they had because I'm like, people didn't have everything on their phone. They had to use true oracles like birds flying north. Oh, the winter's coming. I mean, so yeah. I think we Take need it to back get to basics. Back. Get yeah, back we to basics. We make so everything wrong. so complicated these days. Yeah. I even have um, these Himalayan salt blocks that I have that you can put your feet on, like okay. if you're working, but just so you feel grounded. Yeah. 
and oh, like touching that. the earth. Oh, that's so smart. Well, yeah, because so many times we're just inside, or if you live in a cold state, you're inside, or yes. I live in a hot state. I live in Arizona. It it's all fake grass and rocks. Like to really yes. feel the earth is is not as easy as in Minnesota where I grew up where there's uh, real grass all over in the summer and yeah taking it back to these basics of and even um yeah thinking about like your great 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 grandma it's like what was she doing so they um, can't get hung up on this stuff because they were doing so much hand work I mean they were washing clothes by hands they were making bread by hand yeah these are all like um they're functional aspects of life that help us get what we need done, but they also help us to process, you know, those, it's like the emotional challenges that we, it's emotional work we go through every day. It's like, you know, you never come out of a day like unscathed, you know, you're a different person, things change, you learn, you know, and sometimes things are challenging, but you can actually get a lot of meaning from that. But if you have the right tools to like cope and process, um, so like one final piece I want to get just because you like brought up the salt, the uh, salt rock thing, um, salt rock lamps. I love um, something that we're always talking about is blue blocking glasses, but nobody's talking about the fact that you have light receptors all over all of your skin. It's like, think about we go out in the sun and we make vitamin D, right? Your whole, like all of your skin is getting that information so when we're like have our blue blocking glasses on but all of our like body is still getting like the blue light from the tv it's like you're not you're not giving a consistent message to your body so something that I've like really been into doing is like screens are off and just use like more of like a red um kind of light spectrum so like could be a salt rock lamp or you know just like a really warm bulb not like an led like um bright bulb Mm -hmm. um but looking at how do we tell our body that it's sunset and now we're going to bed because that's like what starts to produce you know the melatonin and like sleep is so so key like being able I kind of spoke to this in like terms of like the stress management but learning those active methods that help your body turn off from like the fight or flight mode to go into rest mode yeah and like these are like the key skills that help us to cope with stress on a long-term basis because you could be dealing with then like an acute stress over a long time but if you still are able to tap out of it to get your rest done and have a good sleep then these are the foundational building blocks that give us kind of like what you need it's like taking it back to the basics like okay like just looking at sleep um like looking at getting that light exposure to your skin like outside nature during the day and then when it comes to bedtime don't be exposing like your skin, like your whole body to like this, like bright daytime light. It's like getting into sunset mode, which then helps us get into bedtime. It tells our body. And another, it's not free, but it can be very cheap or inexpensive is a Himalayan salt bath. Yeah. Like for people that really does help with your emotions and yes, and detox you. And so you don't have to have a salt water spring hot spring yeah (laughs) like we can do all these things and they work and I think not just you haven't just talked about emotional resilience but emotional choice yes we have a choice and in in what I would advise but interested to is don't be hard on yourself like you're creating new patterns just start with one little little thing you know like don't go think you're going to attack all this just even if you're like today I'm going to really try to use non-judgmental 
words. Yeah. An experiment. Watch how people react. Yeah. Even just paying attention, I think is like such a big piece of actually being, having the awareness of saying, because actually some people might be really good already at their language, but are they giving themselves like the pat on the back? Do they have the awareness of it? So I would challenge like just start to become aware and uh, as you said it's like not about making like this big sweeping change because like especially if you're getting divorced you already made the sweeping change okay <laughs> we're just trying to cope with it so it's like looking at where would it feel natural or where would it feel good for me to take you know take this to a place of these choices so you know it's not doing all these things every day but it's just saying oh well maybe I'll just listen to the sound of doing dishes today instead of putting on the loud music. But sometimes the music is good too. But so it's just having that piece of awareness to say, what would be kind to me right now? You know, how could I be good to myself? And I think that that is like really the piece of um, not coming from this punitive place. Like, as you said, it's about looking at how can we support ourselves? So if you come at it kind of from a mean angle, like almost defeats the purpose. It's about making these small choices that really build up over time. Like it's cumulative. So every time that you make, as you said, like an emotional choice, like it's empowering and that adds to what's in the bank. Like it, it will accumulate over time. So, you know, making one small emotional choice every day that supports you, that is going to build up over time. And it, it adds to your emotional resilience, but it just adds to your um, self-worth, like to your confidence and your ability to trust yourself of saying that I was here for myself. Everything else around me was falling apart and everything was hard. And I showed up for myself every day. I've been showing up for myself and there's something that comes from that. Mm -hmm. There's something really special that comes from that, knowing that you've got your own back. And I think that that kind of almost goes into like some inner child stuff, but just knowing, like being able to say to yourself that no matter what happens, what I come up against, I know that I have the integrity to be the person I need not, you know, yeah. leaning on anyone else, leaning on myself. And uh, yeah, I would just like, that would be my wish for everybody if they could. I love it. And I'm it. thinking uh, like, it's an emotional bank. Like you said, if yes. you deposit every day. And then you're not more to hold them. It's a buffer. Or a quarter, but you're going to build your emotional bank. It's an investment. It's, it's an investment. And you're, there's no way you can't put things into it and it doesn't build up. Yes, exactly. 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 Yes. It is going to build it when you make those investments. And if you make a little investment every day, you will feel the impact. Yeah. Like you will feel the impact. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It can just be, you know, yeah. I'm going to go for a walk today. It's well, simple. <laughs> Liz, it was so, so fun to meet you and hear all the things. And I, it was a topic I hadn't even you just know divorce affects work and work affects divorce. And you have given people incredible tools to, um, to bring them together and, and to realize it's us. If we're not happy at work, not happy at home, there's things we can do. There is. Oh, thank you so much. Just like, I feel blessed. I was able to like talk to you about this. This is like what lights me up as you can probably tell. Um, so I'm like so happy to share and uh, I had like so much fun talking with you as well. Well, we, tell us quick though, before I uh, wrap it up, where people can find you. Oh, um, so the best place to find me is on Instagram, DM by Liz. Um, 
I'm also like looking to beef up my YouTube. Um, I have been really busy, so I've really been taking new people on. But um, just with the way that everything is going with kind of COVID and mental health in the workplace, I am um, looking at doing like free consultations for people who are struggling like with mental health or disability in the workplace. Um, so I would be open to doing that, you know, for people on this platform if they need a little bit more. Um, so the best way to do that is to find me on Instagram. So DM by Liz. Um, yeah, let's make the world a better place. Like that's what I want to see is, yeah. you know, help people. So we will, and we will have all your information listed for everybody. And I thank you. And thank you for your generous offer, generous offer to everyone listening. Yeah, you're welcome. Like, uh, yeah, it's my, it's my purpose. So that's like where I find meaning. So I'm so blessed to just be able to like offer that little bit of love. Yeah. And what's the, um, we were talking about the book before we started, Victor. Frankel. Oh, um, it's Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search for Meaning. By Victor yes. Frankel. Yeah. And uh, what I really loved about that book was just, you know, no matter kind of what we're coming up against, it becomes about if we can find meaning in that rather yeah. than, you know, um, how arduous the challenge is looking inside ourselves to find that piece of purpose and meaning that will like essentially help us to make it through anything like even Auschwitz. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not an easy read for anyone listening, but it's a meaningful read. It is a meaningful read. And it will, I think that especially like seeing like what we're seeing in the world today, it will give you a uh, more of a perspective when you're looking at facing your own life to say that, you know, other people have been through some really, really, really brutal stuff. Yep. And you can also come out on the other side better for it. Yep. Even a Nazi death camp. Um, well, so, I mean, that's that's what I know that note. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note, health and prosperity. But the <laughs> bottom line is um, to me right now, I'm thinking whether it's work, a boss you don't like, a husband, all of this, it's the same tools, awareness, yes. and making the decision that you deserve to be happy in your work and at home. Yeah, and I think like I'll looking say, at your why and recognizing that tapping into your purpose isn't always going to mean being happy. But it is like looking at like that kind of happiness piece in a different perspective of saying, you know, what would really matter to me or what yeah. really matters to me. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's the big picture for me. I got it is the big I'm all about the integration. Yes. It's where it all comes. I mean, if you're doing it and you're, it's all going to integrate at some point, even I would bet it's going to affect your diet at some point, yes. you know, as you change and you're leveling up, it's going to affect everything. Yeah. So. Um, so I think that the more that we can have the awareness and use our power to integrate in ways that like the whole concept of the integrated health systems is that they're all supporting each other. So it's kind of this sense of rather than things fighting each other, when you're making these consistent decisions throughout the bigger picture, they're helping to lift each other up. So every time you make a a good choice, you know, at home, it actually impacts the work stuff. And you want to be keeping that consistency to say, I'm on my team. 
Yeah. Like I'm on my own team. So that is like um, kind of the, you know, being consistent in that way. It lifts everything up. It just gives yeah. it more power. It's like the concept of synergy when they're working, you know, when everything's working together, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. It's like the life's teeter totter. It's just keeping it balanced or that the, the balance scales, what is that called? About whatever they are, like it's to keep them level. It's all around your life. Yes. Well, thank you, Liz. It was an thank absolute you. pleasure. And we will list the info for you all to find Liz. And any last word of advice? Um, I would say like my final statement would just be like, you have the power. Don't be afraid to use it. You know, use it for what matters to you. Be there for yourself. <laughs> You do. You got the power. Yeah. That's perfect. Make the choice. Use your power and your emotional power pose. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. Okay.